Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Night Shift podcast, where every Friday, myself, Chris Raybon, and Sean Kerner speak to everybody out there clocking those late-night DFS hours as we break down the Sunday night and Monday night football DFS slates. Uh, If you've heard Sean and I talk in player projections this week on the Action Network podcast, welcome back. And if you haven't, be sure to check that out over on the Action Network podcast channel. Sean Kerner, what's up? Number four this week. Uh, oh, yeah. You passed me up. I'm, I'm number six now. You were number six last week, but uh, can't complain. Two actions in the top six, so congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. There's going to be some ebb and flow here, but uh, I bet we both uh, end up in the top five sooner than later. And our former buddy, yeah. uh, Matt Freeman's in the top ten. Oh, too, yeah. Cool see. He finally stopped uh, projecting. That's why. I think he's just <laughs> yeah, he's exactly. like ranking guys by hand. Which... Hey, whatever works, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we are going to get into the, the Sunday and Monday night games, and uh, we'll talk some luck rankings as well. So uh, let's start it off with the Sunday night football game. We got Dallas at Philly, and uh, the Freaks come out at night. So who are you going with for a Freak performance in the captain spot? Let's go with uh, Jalen Hurts having a freaky performance. And, you know, the the passing really hasn't been there for him lately. He's only averaged 224 passing yards past two games and zero passing touchdowns. Um, So that's not really good for his pass catchers when it comes to this one game slate. Instead, he's been using his legs even more, averaging 15 and a half rush attempts. And he scored three rushing touchdowns the past two weeks. And I think that could actually continue uh, here against the Cowboys defense. You know, they have a good pass D. Uh, they lead the league in pressure rate. So we could see Hertz force a scramble even more. Um, Daniel Jones ran for uh, nine carries for 79 yards against them back in week three. So I think this sets up, uh, you know, for a good spot with Hertz on the ground. And unfortunately, that kind of takes away from A.J. Brown and others. So I, I like having Jalen Hurts in the captain slot here. 
Yeah, Hertz is the obvious choice. I mean, he's he's still getting those rushing scores, and I feel like the more they stop him in the pass game, you know, the more he has to continue <laughs> yeah. to use his legs. So, uh, and Philly's what a six point favorite now, so uh, it is it should be a decent game script for him to to, to score. Yeah, we points. we will have to watch the uh, injury report. You know, half their more than half their offensive line uh, is questionable, so I, I'd like to see a, at least a couple of them active before pulling that trigger. But either way, he he should be fine. Yeah, I think everyone practiced Wednesday except. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, n- all the offensive line practiced Wednesday. Uh, they had about ten people on the report, but everyone was limited except cornerback Josh Jobe. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the the line guys they're listed questionable, but it's more likely probable. Looks yeah, like. yeah. Okay, it's, cool. You got you got to always look at the practice reports because like it's yeah, it, teams are weird. Especially, Not been busy. I, I would agree uh, with that. But <laughs> <laughs> they got okay, the yeah. uh, the Sunday night, especially it's the yeah. Wednesday. You can't really read too much into it. But uh, yeah. I, I am going with Miles Sanders to have a free performance. I think you know Sanders in this matchup. Dallas is fourth in DVOA against the pass, 18th against the run, and then they're 20th in DVOA on uh, targets to running back. So. They're get, you know, Philadelphia, you mentioned it. They haven't been passing quite as well. Uh, and they're kind of weeding on their run game and specifically Sanders more. His usage has been trending upward and he handled 83% of the backfield carries last week. That was a season high. He also ran a route on 65% of the dropbacks, which is also a season high. So uh, they're kind of weeding on him as a workhorse back uh, finally. And uh, he's been able to find the end zone a few times, even with Hertz, uh, because this team is getting a lot of rushing touchdowns. So uh, home favorite game script here against a defense that's weaker against the run. And it's not, you know, you don't expect Dallas to put up a ton of points on mm-hmm. offense and, and kind of blow the game open to where, you know, Philadelphia would stop running at any point. So uh, like Miles Sanders as a, a pivot, if you're not going to go with Jalen Hurts, who's obviously the, you know, the top yeah. player in that spot. Yeah. I, I like that. And to be honest, I, I underestimated just how much of a workhorse Sanders was going to be this year. Um, you know, Kenny Gainwell hasn't been as involved as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, Boston Scott's been out uh, with rib injury. It looks like he's probable, but Gainwell is now questionable <laughs> with a rib injury. So if, if he's out, that's going to make it even more likely that Sanders sees a full workload, but either way. Yeah. Like you said, especially a big divisional game like this, I would not be surprised if they lean on Sanders heavily here. I mean, judging by Gainwell's limited practice on Wednesday, I think he, he's going to be fine. Like, I, I think they it's funny that they're alternating rib injuries <laughs> yeah, they, uh, uh, with the backups. Gain, the thing about Gainwell is they just love him in the passing game. So, like, that's kind of how they use him. The real, the real thing is that Sanders has kind of taken away – they used to give Scott – because they had uh, Scott, I think, and Trey Sermon active last week. So, Scott was mm-hmm. actually back. And Sanders still set a season high in usage uh, yeah. in terms of the carry. So – it's more so that they've just been taking away that kind of rotation where they used to have Jordan Howard remember in that role as well. And they just, they've just been giving all those carries to Miles Sanders and he asked for it to like to start the season. So I think that's kind of what, you know, at this point, what is he fourth year now? Uh, It's there's no point in like preserving these running backs. (laughs) Like, you know, you know, I don't, I don't, did they pick, did they pick up his fifth year option? I don't even know. Uh, I don't think I don't believe so. Or is, it, is he up for? It? I'm trying. What? What? What is? Let me check this. What is Miles? Is he third or? This fourth? is his fourth season. It is his fourth, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I didn't hear about them picking up his option. But either way, it's like there's no incentive not to use him like this. Yeah. Uh, in year four. So. All right. Who you got for dart throws? Do you like darts, Ted? Oh. Okay. I'm more of a, you know, a cornhole man myself. Well, uh, anytime the Eagles. Are on a showdown slate, we have to consider <laughs> Quez Watkins. Um, yep. He's coming off a season high 80% routes run rate. 
Um, there, there's obviously a decent chance he finishes with a big fat goose egg here, but he has massive upside for one game slates. As we saw, uh, you know, back in week two, he caught two passes for 69 yards and a touchdown. Very nice. Uh, but he's the main downfield threat. Uh, you know, he's not really somebody you consider on a main slate, certainly, but he has a high enough ceiling that we we want to consider him anytime the Eagles are on a showdown slate. Um, and then on the Cowboys side, I'm going to have to get really gross here, uh, but I'm going with Peyton Hendershot because Dalton Schultz, he has been really struggling to play through this PCL injury. Uh, I don't blame him either. It sounds like a painful injury to play through. Uh, but last week it was Hendershot who ended up having the most routes run among Cowboys tight ends with 53%. Um, of course, he didn't do anything with it. He saw a single target for uh, no catches. But either way, if, if he gets similar usage this week, he could make some noise like he did back in week three when he got three passes for 43 yards. So he has shown some upside at least. So a similar line to week three would be good enough in this one game slate. So he's my uh, dart throw on the Cowboys side. Yeah, I like I like Hendershot. I think both of these rookie tight ends for the Cowboys are going to have to play more. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they might have to hold Schultz out. I know they keep trying to get him to play through it. And like you said, every week it seems like he's leaving the game early and he doesn't produce yeah. either. And like he yeah. used to be a very productive uh, player. So I am going to go with uh, Kenny Gainwell, uh, the aforementioned. <laughs> uh, I think, I, I don't think the injury is a, an issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, he practiced on Wednesday for a Sunday night game, which means he should be fine. Uh, but he's, you know, the Cowboys, they used to be, uh, a, a man heavy defense. And now they've kind of transitioned back into that Dan Quinn zone. They're just trying to, you know, sit back, make teams go up and down the field and, uh, you know, play, play efficient turnover free ball and offense. So they're playing complimentary football, but Kenneth Gainwell, he's going to be used more in these kind of situations, uh, you know, in the passing game, you know, when there's, when he doesn't have to blitz pick up or, or something like that, uh, he can kind of uh, catch some underneath passes. So, I like him and he's actually second in targets on the team inside the 10 yard line. So there's always a chance he gets uh, you know, gets a, a play drawn up for him and, and he gets one of the touchdowns, which obviously is very valuable on this one game slate. And as we mentioned, they're not really working in that third back anymore. So it's been Sanders and game well uh, for this team. And then for the Cowboys, uh, kind of the similar thing. I'll, I'll go with Jake Ferguson. Uh, this, even though Hendershot did see 53% routes to, Ferguson's like 20. Uh, they played about the same amount of snaps, uh, mm-hmm. 67% for uh, Hendershot, 64% for Ferguson. So the Cowboys didn't throw a lot last week. So there's some variance in that. So I think both of them, you expect them to be on the field. And like you said, it, there's a p- possibility Schultz doesn't even uh, suit up this week. So like Ferguson as well. And uh, he has seen a red zone target this year. So there's always a chance that he can, again, just get one of the touchdowns on this on this slate. Yeah, exactly. I think Ferguson would be the most likely tight end to score a touchdown outside of Schultz, obviously, but uh, I do like that call as well. Yeah, and there's no real discrepancy in the luck rankings between these two teams. Uh, yeah. like Philly, Dallas is the second luckiest and Philly's the fourth. So, yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you know, it's not uh, not a huge game to like go contrarian with like a Zeke Elliott or somebody in the captain's side, although I do think the Cowboys are going to continue to lean on Zeke and Pollard. That's just kind of what they have to do and especially in this matchup, you have uh, CeeDee Lamb is going to have to deal with, you know, Slay and and Bradbury at, at some point probably, mm. uh, as will Gallup and, and Brown. So, I, you know, they've been trying to hide Cooper Rush. Uh, so I, I do think the Dallas backs will get usage, but uh, there's not really, you know, I, I think you still want to go heavier on Philly here. 
Yeah, you think if the uh, Cowboys take down the Eagles here that they give uh, Dak an extra week to heal up? <laughs> that's a good question. Who do they have? I don't, who's on the? Who do they play next week? Is the question? Oh, that's uh, a good question. Because if they, if it's a big, yeah, like you kind of alluded to, they've been kind of winning in spite of uh, Cooper Rush. He hasn't been doing much. It's all it's all about the defense, honestly. Yeah. But uh, they, I mean, they've been on a four game winning streak without Dak, so something to consider. Oh, they played the Lions in Week Seven, so yeah, oh. <laughs> Cooper Rush might actually have a game if they if they yeah. stay starting. That would be interesting. No, I think uh, Dak comes back next week. Let's let's be honest here. That would be a perfect time to come back. Imagine just yeah. <laughs> the Lions defense, like your first game back. Uh, although they are coming off the bye. Maybe they'll figure something out. Probably not, though. All right, let's jump to Monday night. And we got the Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Chargers. And this is one where there is a discrepancy in the, the luck rankings. Yeah. You have the Chargers 18th, so they're middle of the pack, but the Broncos are the third most unlucky team. So about a 12-spot difference, which, uh, you know, that tends to work out. You know, we saw the Raiders as an unlucky team uh, cover and, and kind of really had a game script, a positive game script for a lot longer in that Chiefs game than you would have thought, which, uh, which helped Josh Jacobs a ton which is something we talked about. So uh, this is one where, I mean, I guess you could look a little more at like Melvin Gordon and, and those guys, but we'll talk about that. Uh, who yeah. do you like in the captain spot? Um, I'm going to have to go with Austin Eckler here. Just he is on fire scoring five touchdowns in the past two games. Um, obviously his touchdown rate is unsustainable, especially considering he's not getting any goal line work. It's been Josh Kelly and Sonny Michelle. Um, so that's been frustrating, but you know, Eckler, he generates his own touchdowns. He's that good. So uh, he carries a massive ceiling, um, and that's what we want in the captain slot. So that's that's why I like him here. And the Broncos, they've struggled they've been against posing running backs recently, too. Um, back in week four, Josh Jacobs went ham. Uh, all that that seems to be an every week thing now. But he, he rushed 28 times for 144 yards, two touchdowns, even caught five passes for 31 yards. Deion Jackson looked like Marshall Falk last week <laughs> um, against the Broncos. So they've been a bit leaky uh, in the run D. Um, and just handling, you know, running backs in the passing game. So I think just given this slate, um, I think Eckler is the way to go in the captain slot. Yeah, Eckler is definitely the highest uh, upside guy here. Uh, I'll go if if you're pivoting off Eckler. I go with Cortland mm. Sutton in this spot. Um, you know, the Broncos are probably going to be in a situation where they'll they'll be behind. Uh, it just seems to be what's going on with <laughs> the Broncos at this point. But uh, the Chargers play are playing the seventh most man coverage, and Sutton has been eating up man uh, 5.8 yards per route run against man. And he leaves the, the Broncos and targets against man coverage. And uh, you know, if they, if they go to more zone uh, he's been better than Judy uh, against zone coverage as well with 1.5 yards per route to Judy's 1.2. So uh, I think Sutton, you know, whatever, either way, uh, how the Chargers decide to play this, I think Sutton uh, will be Russell Wilson's top target as he has been. And mm-hmm. That's important in, on this slate because the other guy you'd probably consider is Mike Williams, but he's going to have to deal with Patrick Sertan the second, and that's that's just a really tough matchup. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and, I mean, we don't know at this point what's going on with Keenan Allen. I, he'd obviously be an option as well, but will he be eased in? We don't know, but Williams will have a tough matchup. And then the Chargers are actually number one in DVOA against wide receiver twos. So Judy also kind of has a tough <laughs> matchup, at least on paper. So Sutton kind of stands out as that, you know, if there's going to be a hundred yard receiver uh, in this game outside of Eckler, 
<laughs> it could yeah. be it could be uh I think Sutton's the best bet so, and, and just the best bet on the Broncos yeah so when it comes to Sutton on the Broncos how concerned are you with Russ Wilson and this like shoulder tear uh do you think it's uh you know big deal over nothing or like what what's going on there I mean he hasn't played well without with a shoulder so I, <laughs> that is true yeah I, I'm, I think it's fine is I it think an excuse I think it sounds a little excuse-like. I mean, Russell too many Wilson, uh, Subway sandwiches. Is that really what's going on? It is my signature sandwich. It's called the Danger Witch, and it's dangerously good. Something, man. Like he's it. Because the thing about Russ, you know, he's a he's a he's a good dude. He does a lot in the community and, and all yeah. that. But like, he's not a very genuine guy. And so, like, I think it was Matthew Berry actually who said like he after that game he was like, I predict that there's going to be a week that like Russell Wilson has an injury to like you know, exclusive uh, performance. And it, it literally yeah. happened exactly like that. So it's like, I, you know, I, I can't really trust a lot. I mean, I'm, you know, he's probably is going through something, but is it affecting his play any more than just him? I don't know, because we've seen this going back to last year now, where it just, it's very uneven. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's taking, he's either taking deep shots or, or dumping it off way too soon, you know, short of the sticks. It's like, there's just no rhyme or reason <laughs> when he's quarterbacking the offense anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm not super concerned about the injury itself. Uh, but you know, either way, Sutton's kind of been that guy, like even against the Colts, I think it was like got five for 74, which, you know, is a pretty good yeah. receiving stat line for uh wide receiver, obviously no touchdowns, but, um, yeah, it's R- Bronco fans should absolutely be, be concerned about Russ. Yeah. But in DFS, I think, yeah, it's just still want some Sutton. Especially with the. Gino, Metcalf, and Lockett just tearing it up in Seattle right now. And of course, Pete Carroll's going to be <laughs> going to going to start talking up Drew Lock. Like, <laughs> oh really? I missed that. I must oh, have missed that. Oh, oh yeah, Drew, he Here was like go. he was like Drew Lock is nipping at uh, Gino's heels in practice. Their, like, their tank job isn't going as planned. They need to get Drew Lock out there. <laughs> right? Yeah. Be, the, the ultimate disrespect would be if Drew Lock and Gino Smith both outperform <laughs> Russ. Like, so the Broncos old quarterback, yeah. <laughs> like that would, that would be crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who do you got for uh, dart throws? Y'all take your darts over here pretty seriously, huh? Uh, so on the Broncos side, uh, I'm going with Greg Dulcich. If he, you know, makes his debut here, um, which it looks like he should, he missed the first five games with a hand injury, but you know, he's their third round pick out of UCLA. Should be a solid pass catching tight end at the NFL level. Um, he gives me sort of a TJ Hawkinson vibes. I think he could be, you know, that good. Maybe not that good, but similar. Um, and it looked like he had a shot to start over Albert O, um, at least early in the season. Uh, but then he picked up that hammy injury. So I think they want to give him a shot. Uh, it could happen as soon as this week. If they do hold him out again, I think I'm going to have to go with our boy Eric Sobert, though, <laughs> um, who will be the lead tight end again this week. Uh, ran around on 53% of dropbacks, saw seven targets. So if Dulcich is out, um, I, I would go Sobert here. I, I don't know who they're going to make inactive. Maybe you can ponder that um, a bit later on. But it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, handle that situation going forward. And then on the Chargers side, I got to go with their backup tight end, Donald Parham. Uh, he made his season debut last week. Uh, again, he was out for the first uh, few games with the hamstring injury, was very quiet last week with zero catches on one target, had a minuscule 13% routes run rate. But again, he was getting eased back in. And at the end of the day, he's one of Justin Herbert's favorite red zone targets. So all I'm asking for here is just a, a one yard touchdown. Like that's all I'm asking for here. And Parham's the kind of guy that can certainly do that. And on a slate like this, that would absolutely be enough to take down the GPPs. 
Yeah, yeah. He, uh, you would think they'll start working him in more because he got eased in. Uh, McKitty actually ran about 34% of the time to 13% for Parham. So you'd expect that to kind of, you know, even out, right? Like with Parham eventually yeah. taking over that number two. Um, although that, I guess that, you know, that could be the issue with, with uh, Dulcich too, though. Like, who, do they ease him in, do you think, in this, in this matchup? Or- yeah, I think that they would definitely ease him in. But back to my previous question, um, would <laughs> Albert O be the uh, healthy scratch? What's going on there? Oh, yeah, it might. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, he's the most one-dimensional, right? And it's yeah. Dulcich would kind of replace that receiving production. I mean, but that's the thing. It's like, at the same time, it's like the Broncos, can the Broncos really afford to be benching receivers? Like, it doesn't make, I don't know. Like, it, it's weird. It's just, it's just a weird offense. Like, hack it. I don't know, man. It, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I think it was, I forget. I think it was, was it Ryan Clark who said somebody was like, um, oh no, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick who said like Aaron Rodgers is, even though he's not, you know, faring as well without Devontae, like he's still faring a lot better than like all his like, you know, cronies and coordinators who like took jobs elsewhere. Like Getsy is like offense is setting record low completions and, and passing stats and Hackett's out here in Denver, just fucking up. So. Yeah, no. And the NFL schedule makers, thanks for giving us another primetime game with the uh, Broncos. Why did they have Chiefs bills here? Why? I, I mean, I, I kind of uh, liked watching the, uh, the the dumpster fire, though. Like Because even that Broncos. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Like, it was like so Colts? bad it was good. Sometimes a game can be so bad it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? No. No, but I'm just saying. And obviously, you know, I'm going to enjoy this game, obviously. But just. Bill's Chiefs is like our Super Bowl. And the fact that it's like an afternoon slate game um, is disrespectful. Like that should have been either Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football. Yeah. I mean, in the, on the bright side, we do get Nance and Romo for that. So, oh, okay, cool. Romo is always really good <laughs> like with like Josh yeah. Allen, Patrick Mahomes game because he starts like impersonating the quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I, I feel you. It, I mean, honestly, I, I got to give props to the schedule makers because like they, yeah, that it is weird with the Broncos with so many primetime games, but the matchups they've given us have been pretty good. I mean, they gave yeah. us like Baker revenge game on opening day, Russ revenge, Russ versus Geno opening day. Oh, yeah. This is the first and probably last time I'm complaining about the schedule. It's just Chiefs Bills is too good to to have after. Obviously, you know, I'll be watching that over uh, Card Seahawks and uh, Panthers Rams. So it'll be pretty easy to to focus on the game. But still, I would have loved to see that game in uh, prime time. All right. For dart throws, I'm going with Josh Kelly, Joshua Kelly here. Uh, Season high 12 touches last week, 38% snap rate season high. And Sony Michelle only had two snaps. So uh, this could be another situation where we are seeing kind of like that third back getting phased out of the offense. And, uh, you know, Kelly acquitted himself pretty well, got in the end zone last week. And you mentioned it, you know, these Broncos team has been getting kind of run over a little bit at times. They're, they're, they're more of a run funnel defense. They're middle of the pack and rush DVOA, but uh, top five in pass DVOA. So Josh Kelly averaged, uh 4.9 yards a carry last week for the season he's at four and a half and uh you know caught two passes for 33 as well last week so he's saw a pretty good kind of overall usage and he's got no risk of being inactive because he plays like over 50 percent of the special team snaps every week so uh yeah really like kelly in this spot and you know he's a he's a we like echo in the captain spot obviously but like kelly could be a vulture like if if yep. kelly scores in the captain if kelly scores and Eckler doesn't 
um, you know, the, you might even need Kelly in the captain spot if that, you know, if that, okay. if, I mean, we're not, that, if, if, we're not if, that crazy, but he has good leverage. Yeah. Eckler for sure. Right. And then uh, for the Broncos, I'm going to go with KJ Hamler. Uh, you know, finally started to see starter snaps again for, you know, after like he only ran route 10% of the time in week four and 25% of the time in week three, but 71% routes run on Thursday. And now he's had a, he's going to have a, what is that? A 11 day break to get healthy again. And uh, you know, they'll probably give him some squeaky wheel treatment because he yeah. was the guy that was supposed to get the game winning touchdown from Russell Wilson and then slammed his helmet down when Wilson didn't even look his way. So like Wilson's going to probably feel a little pressure to get Hamler involved early and, and, and hopefully often in this game, but uh, he has a good matchup as well. Cause the chargers, they rank 22nd in deep pass DVOA. And they're also 29th in DVOA on passes to the offensive, right? Where Hamler ran a majority of his routes in the last game. So, um, you know, just kind of from a, a matchup perspective, this is also a good spot for Hamler and it's probably a tougher spot for Judy than for Hamler. So I uh, really like Hamler in this spot and his, his price is going to start going up. Uh, you know, if he starts getting more uh, routes and he sh- again, he should have had a touchdown last week. So he should have had yeah. it like seven more fantasy points than he actually had. So th- his price might never uh, be lower. Yeah. I like the squeaky wheel narrative for him. Like Wilson has to be looking for him uh, this game to make up for that. And I like the Kelly call as well. Cause uh, you know, they let Sonny Michelle sort of handle the goal line work earlier in the season, but last week they finally let Kelly and he converted on the, the one yard touchdown. So um, he's a good bet at vulturing Austin Eckler here if the situation arises. And it's been very disappointing to see Isaiah Spiller just, you know, healthy scratch every week. I thought he'd make some noise by now, but it's been very concerning for him long-term that he, he's been unable to leapfrog these guys so far. Yeah, it's, you know, it's with these, what is he, a day? He was a third or fourth rounder, Spiller. Uh, I think third round. Yeah, you know, once you get outside the top two Oh, no, fourth three, round. Yeah, but, he, but especially really day three. Yeah, early buzz for him was like a second rounder, but he had a pretty bad combine, right? Yeah, probably probably had yeah. a pretty bad year. I mean, in practice, <laughs> and he's yeah. had, he has, I don't think he's been active. He hasn't dressed yet. Right. So, um, yeah, like I expect. That's why I kind of mentioned. You know, Kelly plays special teams. I think if anyone, mm-hmm. if there was a su- surprise scratch, it would be Michelle for Spiller um, because mm-hmm. Michelle doesn't really play special teams. He is a good pass protector, but he doesn't play special teams. So. Right. Um, but yeah, that you gotta always uh, kind of prepare for that. Um, speaking of vulturing, you got a couple fullbacks on this slate. Long pass to the fullback. Got a nice block from the fullback. How many tackles can one man break? Oh, look at the fullback down the sideline. We're doing our best to, to keep the fullback position alive and thriving. Make fullbacks great again. Your boy Xander Horvath. What do you what do you think? I mean, I think he he has some potential as a, a little slate breaker on this one. Yeah, he's due right. It's been what two games since his last touchdown, so yeah. he is certainly due. And it seems like the Chargers are a very vulture friendly team when they get around the goal line. Herbert is just looking for anybody that's open. So you know, he's not too picky. So yeah, I, I do think. If I had to pick between the two, it'd be Horvath because I don't think we've really seen um, Andrew Beck much since week uh, two. It was right. Uh, week was one, that I game think. where he started off with week three one. straight targets. That was a, the first game of the year. He got like the Broncos' first three targets of the year. Has he seen a target since then? He's seen a one or two. Let's I think see. it's been pretty sparse. 
Yeah, he had see. one. He had he had one last game, and he had a rushing attempt. Oh, okay. Too. So he's so, so I mean he's 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 got some potential, but uh, he he didn't catch that target last week. Oh, damn it. Yeah, but yeah he, he's cooled off of late, but Horvath certainly. Um, I would definitely consider him for a showdown slate. Yeah, Horvath got uh, touchdowns receiving in his first two games as a pro, and then he yeah he has he's had a target in four out of the five weeks, and he had two rushing attempts last week. So he's gotten at least one play drawn up every week, and he's gotten multiple plays drawn up in three of the five. So 60% of the time, he's seen at least two opportunities on offense. Yeah, so, yeah, and he's probably yeah. due for a vulture uh, rushing touchdown too, right? That Gabe Neighbors was usually good for uh, at least one of those a year. Um, so, yeah, he, if there's any fullback that has touchdown upside on the slate, it's Horvath. Yeah, Neighbors scored two – no, wait, yeah uh, – Oh no, he scored two receiving in 2020. Oh, yeah, he's had no. He no. Neighbors actually never had a rushing one. Derek Watt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah. The bottom line is the Chargers. They have they they have fullbacks involved on on the goal line. Yes, (laughs) one way or another. That's the moral of the story here. Usually, it's not a. It's like not a. It's like not a technical vulture touchdown. It's just like the play action fake fullback wide open in the flats, and so it's like where you would expect a one yard rushing touchdown. They just get like a one yard passing. Right. Now, on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, rushing yards in football or number of points in basketball. Then choose the amount of money that you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sweeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friends contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group's picks with the tap of a button along with Over Under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action. And Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right, let's uh, close it off. Talk some luck rankings. Let's talk some luck rankings. So last week, um, any game where we had a 10 plus luck differential, they went six and three against the spread and uh, 16 or more luck differential was four and one against the spread. So again, these are meant to kind of catch the public perception so to speak off guard of technically teams that are overrated or underrated and we're expecting their luck to change going forward so um the five luckiest teams to date are number five is the dolphins uh the fourth luckiest team is the eagles the third luckiest is the titans second luckiest is the cowboys and the luckiest team remains the new york giants and uh they had another one score win last week so they have a four and one record on the season despite all five of their games being one score games so that's that's not something you would expect to be sustainable 
um, you know, one score luck you would typically expect to be right around 500. So they benefited a ton on one score luck this year. Yeah. I mean, do you, how much do you think that is like, you think it's all luck or do you think there's some like Dable having an impact there? Cause like as a longtime Giants fan, I'm watching this and I'm just like, I can't remember a time in recent memory when the Giants just like didn't make stupid mistakes. Like they're just yeah. not making dumb mistakes. And uh, so I, I wonder, like, do you think coaching factors in at all? Cause like, I know the Cowboys also another lucky one They're they're and, and the Titans very well coached teams um, you know, for those top three. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And th- these aren't be all end all. I would absolutely agree that um, having a good coach, you're probably more likely to have a winning record in one score games. Also having a good kicker like Justin Tucker, uh, when it or, comes or Cameron to Dicker, the kicker. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, or not having that Amendola, same thing. Um, I think all those things do add up. And that's luck rankings. Like I said, it's not meant to be a be all end all. It's supposed to be a big picture view. Um, but certainly I think Dable, especially week one, um, going for two when they did, you know, yep. to, to win the game. I think that was smart. But at the end of the day, that is still lucky that they, they were able to convert that. They, you know, won the game by a point. Um, so it's all relative. But I think at the end of the day, that's that's another thing you have to consider when it comes to this is, yeah, they are a better coach team. So we would expect them to possibly be better in one score games. Um, but overall, uh, it's safe to say that they have certainly benefited from luck in that department. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then who are the unluckiest? So the, the top five unluckiest so far, uh, the fifth unluckiest are the Browns. The fourth unluckiest are the Rams. The third unluckiest, we already talked about them, but the Broncos. And the second unluckiest is the Raiders. And the unluckiest team to date is the Detroit Lions. And a lot of that had to do with their 29 and nothing loss to the Patriots last week. It was actually our third unluckiest score of week five. So we kind of analyze what goes into that score. Um, and, and when you break down, you know, what happened in that game, you know, the Pats only produced 52 more yards than Lions, despite winning by nearly 30. Um, and, you know, Goff had some key turnovers in that game. He got intercepted on the Pats three-yard line. Uh, the Pats had a 59-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown. And in the second half, the Lions had four drives and in a turnover on downs um, in Pats territory. So uh, it probably should have been a lot closer than the 29 nothing score would indicate. And that's sort of what we're trying to capture here. Uh, plus, you know, the Lions, they're 0-2 in games decided by a field goal or less and 0-3 in one-score games. So the, the Lions have been pretty unlucky this year. Yeah, they – I mean, that 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 Patriots game, they they just could not convert a fourth down to save their life. It was it was pretty nuts. Yeah, but... they had uh, Jamal Williams over 15-and-a-half rush attempts, and he was um, at 15. Oh, I would say like three minutes into the second half, and he finished uh, with 15 because they didn't – give them the ball once they, once they were down by so much uh not only were they not running the ball but they just took him out of the game completely unreal yeah he's not getting passing down work this year so um yeah. but no these are yeah these are really helpful to, to kind of gauge game script things like that because like mentioned you know the broncos real quick before we get out of here like what's your read on this backfield uh melvin gordon did play about about 60 kind of a 60 40 split with uh mike boone but they did like bring mike boone in at, like to close the game or like, to try to close the game uh, and then like it didn't happen um but you know do you think is there any chance like murray gets involved more and does does he take anything away from boone or, or gordon is gordon still on like fumble watch if he fumbles <laughs> once like what do, what's your take on this bronco uh backfield yeah i mean it's as volatile as we thought i still think 
Gordon is the lead back for now, but like you said, he's on thin ice. He's one fumble away from being in serious trouble. Um, for this game, though, we have to consider this is a revenge game spot for him. <laughs> um, and the Chargers are beatable on the ground, so yep. this could be a good spot for him to kind of get a leg up on these guys. But I think either way, Boone's going to continue factor in, um, at least on you know in the receiving work. Um, and then, yeah, Latavius Murray, I didn't expect him to really be involved too much last week. He just signed there, but uh, once he learns the playbook, uh, if he starts getting work, as well, then this is going to be way too murky for us to really be investing in. Um, so I'll be keeping an eye on him as well. But as as of now, I still consider Melvin Gordon sort of a fringe RB2, RB3, but not, you know, great about it. Yeah, they, they drew up some nice screen plays for him uh, last uh, in the, against that against the coach. So if that can continue, he can be productive yeah. and doesn't it doesn't have to be like a carry where he can as a bigger risk for fumble. All right, that is going to wrap it up uh, for the full list of luck rankings. Be sure to check it out. Uh, it's up at actionnetwork.com. Uh, for more great fantasy content from Sean and I, you can check out our full player projections episode out now over on the Action Network podcast channel. And we also have our fantasy preview episode where we break down the, the DFS slate, the main slate uh, right here on the Fantasy Flex podcast channel. Uh, for all of our NFL betting and fantasy content, be sure to check out actionnetwork.com and fantasylabs.com for our DFS tools and models. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker and me at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Until next time, let's get this shwunny.